We're going to find your seats. Since this morning, we have a very special treat. Uh, we have a guest speaker in the house. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's it's actually my father. He's a guest speaker this morning. And some of you guys know him because a long time ago, he used to pastor this church. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he's been the founder of City Church. He started City Church. If you're, if you're fairly new, you may not know that. He, uh, he started the church, and 25 years ago, my family moved here to do this, and, and he was faithful to what God had called him to do, and this church got set up to the place where it is today to be able to, to, be able to have the, uh, the, where it's at. We have this great building. We have these amazing people. We have amazing worship services. Uh, everything that you see here is because of, of how great of a leader my, my, my father was and is, and so uh, I'm honored to, to introduce introduce him to, to come and speak with us. Would you guys stand up and give a nice warm round of applause to Pastor Steve Williams? Wow, that's very kind. We've been out traveling, as most of you know, and um, spending some time seeing some wonderful places in America. And uh, we went to Glacier National Park, and then I would highly recommend you put that on your list, things to do. Went to Portland for an MFI conference, and then we just returned from the uh, Ozarks, northern Arkansas. I would have never thought that that would be such a beautiful place. But just a wonderful place, lakes and rivers and streams and hills and country folk and good eating. And then we stopped by in uh, Springfield, Missouri to see uh, Silas and Jude, <laughs> our grandsons. And uh, we did say hi to their parents, but uh, <laughs> we just had a wonderful time. And, and I have to say this, Barbara just hiked all over the place that her knee yeah. is doing well. And um, she went through a knee replacement surgery, and I'm having a hard time keeping up with her again. <laughs> and so, and I'd just like to say that um, this church wouldn't be where it is without her either. She's been a great, great, stable force around our church for years, and we've been keeping up with services online. And I. I have to say, Pastor Matt's doing a pretty good job of preaching. Yeah. And leading, he, he does well with his mom's notes. I just have been paying attention. <laughs> He's doing well with that. She's been busy researching for him, so I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm going to close our series on Colossians today. My theme is this, that Jesus is greater than our culture. Say that with me. Jesus is greater than our culture. You know, have you ever been in a place that's so dark that you can't see your hand in front of your face? Have you ever been running away from someone or something and turned up into a street and realized that it's an alley and it's a dead end and there's no place of escape? When I was a kid in Janesville, Wisconsin. We would, uh, we would play in the underground sewer systems and uh, where the rain stuff ran off and it would get so dark that you couldn't you couldn't see in front of you and um, 
Every once in a while, somebody would have an extra flashlight and put it by their face and scare everybody to death. And, uh, I can talk about this now because my mom passed away a couple years ago, and, uh, and I won't get in trouble for, for running down the streets. It's terrible, you know, when you're in your 60s and you're still worried about your mother. <laughs> we were eating with Barbara's mom, and Barbara doesn't eat the crust around all the sandwiches, you know. And her mom said, um, you didn't eat the crust. And Barbara said, I am in my 60s. <laughs> I know there are starving people in Africa, but I'm not eating the crust. So, I, if you've ever been to Carlsbad, I've been to Carlsbad Cavern a couple times, and they, there's a place in there where they shut the lights off on you. And you can't see. You put your hand right here. And you can't see. I'm not positive, but I think they call that place the devil's den. And so we've all made choices at times in our lives where we end up in some sort of a trap or a dungeon of darkness. In fact, living without Christ in our lives, living without his influence, we can be influenced by a culture without God that will will lead us into some of those destructive ways. 1 John 2.8 says that all that's in the world, the old language says the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, but the message says this, wanting our own way and wanting everything for ourselves and wanting to appear important will actually isolate us from God. And we will be wanting and wanting and wanting and never satisfied. But Jesus came to deliver us from the darkness of our culture. And it says in Colossians 1.13 that we are transferred. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. It's in Christ that he purchases us, us and forgives us. The New Living Translation says he has rescued us from darkness. And the message says this, he has rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. So we are now, we are now, if you've come to Christ, if you've received him, you are now a citizen of his kingdom. And by the way, that means that he owns us and he bought us and he forgave us. And this kingdom is a present reality Jesus said it's within you and it's amongst you. And Jesus said in John 18, it's not of this world or it's not of this world system. It's not of the culture that we live amongst. And, and when we're born again or when we receive Christ, we come to him and ask him to be the Lord of, the, of, of our lives. We actually are literally transferred into this new reality, this spiritual kingdom that Romans 14, 17 says it's not meat or drink but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, you are now touched with that same presence that was on Jesus. In fact, the Bible teaches us that the same spirit that raised him from the dead now dwells inside of us. That's incredible. That's incredible power, and it's incredible love. And so we, we read the scriptures, and it says that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, spent 40 days 
talking to his disciples about things pertaining to this kingdom of God. And in Acts 17, we read this story. They showed up into this city, and they began to preaching and teaching. And here's what they said, Acts 17, 6 and 7. They said, here come those people that are turning our world upside down because they serve another king, even Jesus. And you, you, you've got to get a grip on this because they were living in the Roman Empire. Rome ruled the world. And, and the demand of Caesar was that you would say that he is Lord and he is God. The Roman Empire was a one-world governmental system and they ruled governmentally everywhere. And if you didn't bow to Caesar, you were actually setting yourself up for a death penalty. If you didn't bend your knee to the government of the day, they, they had the actual right to kill you. And so the Roman Empire's mentality was this, that man is God. They were so corrupt internally and morally decadent that they actually had mentalities that sex was God. And they were highly materialistic, the Roman Empire. And they become decadent. And they actually rotted from within. But one of the forces that, that confronted the Roman Empire was these crazy people who said this, Jesus is our king. And we're citizens first of another kingdom. I would like to say that Jesus was greater than the culture of Rome. I'd also like to say that Jesus is greater than the culture of the United States of America. We, we, we by the way, are not the center of Scripture, Jesus is. You know, we're not the most important thing to hit the planet. In spite of what we are told, we're not. Jesus is. And it's his kingdom and his rule and his reign and his government that matters in the hearts and minds and lives of people. And I would just like to suggest that maybe if he's not the king of our lives, we are going to get trapped in a dungeon of darkness and a dead-end alley and not find any way of escape until we call on the name of King Jesus. And when we call upon him, the scriptures declare he will deliver us. That he has already delivered us. I mean, are glad for Jesus this morning. The ways of Jesus, his love and his goodness and his peace and his joy, being empowered by the same spirit, that's what we have. <laughs> Steve, haven't you watched the news? By the way, yes, I have. You have to understand that I'm a news junkie. And sometimes it's not a good thing. You know, we can get so wrapped up in the bad news that we forget who we are. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we have an, I, you guys may not have noticed this, but there's an election coming up. You know. <laughs> oh, no. What happens if he wins? What happens if she wins? 
I'd like to say Jesus is king. He's king. We are not to live in fear. We are not to be afraid. We are to absolutely turn our eyes upon him and say, God, let your kingdom come and invade this place. We've been given the right and the authority to do that. Jesus is greater than our culture. Pastor Matt talked about three weeks ago about Jesus being preeminent in all things. He should have first place. He's supposed to be the king on the inside of those who have said yes to him. King of our attitudes and our minds and our, and our secret thoughts. Colossians 1.27 says that this Jesus Christ is now, is now giving you hope. Because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are not hopeless people. You are not people who don't know what's going on. You actually are people who are connected with the greatest force in the universe called Jesus. You have to forgive me. I haven't preached for a couple months, so I might. I just might preach. He's giving you hope. Listen, he is hope for the hopeless. He's healing for the hurting. He's the one who loves people unconditionally, who is continually calling them, come on, there's a better way of life for you. You can come into my world. His invitation is there. No matter who is ruling and reigning politically, they will bend their knee to Jesus because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We've got to remind ourselves of that. We've got to tell ourselves about that. We've got to stir that thing up. You have hope, and listen, you are to be ambassadors of hope to the world that you're living in. You are to bring the culture of the kingdom into this culture that we're living in right here. And the culture of the kingdom is a higher way of life and a better way to live. He's giving us hope. We look to the future with joy. Next thing that we learn in Colossians is this, is that we can change. We can change. Colossians chapter 3, and Pastor Matt touched on this stuff last week, and I just want to kind of review and then get into what I'm supposed to be in. I'm just kind of setting you up for, you know what I mean. Listen, you have the power of Christ inside of you. You can change. You don't have to stay the same. There's something mighty inside of you. Your old life is over. Amen. Thank God. It's over and it's done. I almost, every once in a while I think this when we're baptizing people because the Bible says we're burying the old man. Every once in a while, I just think we ought to get a wooden box up there, you know, the thing they bury people in, and put it right beside the baptismal tank, and you take everything from your old life and write it down, and all the stuff you've done, all your offenses, everything that's gone on, and you throw it inside of that casket because that's what you're doing. You're burying your past, and your past is your past. It doesn't owe you anything anymore, and you don't owe it anything. Christ paid for your past and all things are new. And you, Colossians says, have been risen with 
Christ. You're new. It's all new. Oh, you just don't know, Steve. I don't even care. Why do I rehash things that God has forgot about? That means I'm going to take his place. And by the way, none of us do a very good job at his job. You're new. All things are new. And then it says, seek those things that are above. Set your mind on them. Jesus has given you the freedom and the ability to make the choice that I am now going to be about heavenly things. Seek them. Set your mind upon them. It's your choice. It should become your passion. That's what we ought to be passionate about. I, I, I read stuff on Facebook. And I, I read some stuff by Christians on Facebook. In fact, I probably put some stuff on Facebook. I shouldn't. But listen to me. Where's your mind at? What are you thinking about? What are you seeking? How is your hunger for God? What are you passionate about? Because if you're not passionate about what he's passionate about, don't beat yourself up. Change. Change. Start getting passionate about what he's passionate about. He's calling you to do that. He's chosen you to do that. He's anointed you to do that. And he will empower you to do that. He is for you and not against you. You've been invited to become a powerful force in the earth that's far greater than the temporal world that you and I are living in. You know, I got radically converted in the early 70s, October 1st, 1973. I, I bent my knee and said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and got water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit right after that. And anyhow, you know, I, I don't want to beat up on Facebook because I got contacted on Facebook while we were out traveling around by my first pastor. He said, are you the Steve Williams from Sarasota, Florida? I said, yes, I am. And his, his, his Facebook post is under him and his wife, and so I thought I was talking to his wife, and about maybe three steps into this thing, I realized, oh, I'm talking to my first pastor. And I started thanking him for the foundation that he put in our lives and the passion that he had. I mean, he used to preach, and I used to say, God, I want to preach like that. I want that fire that he's got to get inside of me. And, and he, he gave me his phone number, and I called him up, and we talked for about an hour on the telephone. And, and I just said, I thanked him. Pastor Norris, you put a foundation inside of all of us. You, you taught us how to pray. You taught us how to read our Bibles. You challenged us to be passionate after God. So that fire that came inside of me in 
Faith Assembly Church in Sarasota. I said, it's never left. It's still burning. I still got that passion burning in my bones. And I just thanked him profusely for it. And he about started crying. I said, Pastor Norris, I've been all over the world preaching and prophesying and seeing miracles and watching Jesus do wonderful things in the nations of the earth. I said, I'd have never believed it when I was running around your church like a crazy man. He said, I wouldn't have believed it either, Steve. What are you passionate about? What gets your mind? What gets your thoughts? What gets your attitudes? Because it says in in Colossians here that we can put off the old man. We can put him off. We can put off sexual immorality, and we should. We can put off evil thinking. We can put off doing our own thing and going our own way. We can put it all off. And then it says that then Paul gets to meddling and he meddles. You can also put off anger and wrath and malice. You can put off all those things. I've had people say this. That's just the way I am. In fact, when I want to have a pity party, I say it. Oh, it's just the way I am. This is what God says. Really? I think you better reconnect with who I said you are. Because that's not who you are. You're a child of God. You're a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. You're an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something greater for you than get stuck in a pity party. Something greater for me. There's something greater for us than getting all wrapped up in who the president of the United States is. We serve another king. He he pulls us out of dark dungeons and back into alleys and dead-end streets and heals our broken hearts and gives us a purpose that is far greater than we've ever thought or dreamed about. We're talking about Jesus, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and believers are believers. We believe that he did these things for us, and that we have a total new identity. We are children of God. And he doesn't just say in Colossians here, just put it off. He says, put on some stuff. I should probably read my Bible. Put on the new self, which is being renewed. Say that with me, being renewed. You're not all there yet. I mean, thank God for that. Yeah, amen. Poke the person next to you. He's not done with us. I was going to say something about Jim Curtis, but I won't. I'm going to leave him alone. Put it on, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on, verse 12, as God's chosen ones, compassion. Listen to me. We should ask the Holy Spirit to form the nature of Jesus inside of us. We should ask him to do that. Holy Spirit, I want to be compassionate. 
You let compassion get a hold of you and you will become a healer to other people. Put on kindness. Put on kindness. If if you allow kindness to form inside of you, you will help people find the goodness of God and they'll start repenting. Humility will help you get close to God. Meekness, it'll harness your strengths. Here's the favorite one, patience. Which is endurance. Bearing with one another. And and if one has a complaint, I know that there's no complaining around here. But if one has a complaint, forgive. Do you know that forgiveness actually is not something you need to pray about? Other than this, God help me forgive. We need to do it. Forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which, which binds everything together. And let the peace of God and be thankful and be filled with thankfulness. And, and, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. Whatever we do should be done for the glory of God. We should all write ourselves a question every once in a while. How is God getting glory out of what I'm doing? Because if he's not getting glory out of it, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. It's all done for him. That's what Paul is saying here in Colossians. And listen, this new nature affects our families. It affects how we relate to each other. It affects the very fabric of our society. It affects who we are at home. I had a an older guy one time in my life when I was in my early 30s. Barbara and I had three little kids and I wanted to be involved in church leadership. He looked at me with three little kids and my wife, he said, you better take care of them. I said, oh yeah, I know that. He said, listen to me, Steve, how you are at home, that's how you are. Anybody can put the dog on for an hour on Sunday. I took what he said to heart. Let's be at home, Christians. Amen? Let's let our new nature be demonstrated in our families. Let's let compassion and kindness and humility and forgiveness, let it start in our families. Invest in our marriages. Invest in them. You know, if you're not married or if you've been through marriage and you want to get married again, this is free now. Don't, don't get upset at me. You can talk to Matt later about it. That, <laughs> that visiting preacher you had, he kind of insulted me. Well, that's okay. But if you're single and you want to be married, become marriage material. 
I had a young man come and tell me one time, you know, I want to get married. I started asking him some questions. and You know, he was highly educated and had a great job and had all this stuff. But I mean, his life was a mess. I said, you're not marriage material. He got offended at me. And I said, well, do you want to become marriage material? Let's clean our life up. You single ladies, I, I just want to tell you, man, investigate that guy before you give him your heart. Bring him here. I'll help you. Pastor Matt will help you. Jeff will help you. Come on, man. Some of the grandfathers around here, they'll help you. We'll find out who that guy is. Sometimes, oh, this man is just pursuing me. Tell me about his past. Well, I haven't learned that yet. You better learn that. I'll quit meddling. I got to get get going on here. Listen to me. Biblical principles will work at home if we will work them. Biblical principles will work at home if we will work them. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. I'm getting convicted right now. Ephesians says this, submit to one another in the fear of God. Because what's going on in your home should honor God. Submit your lives to him. Surrender your will to his will. Husbands, says in Ephesians, love your wives and give yourself to them as Christ did the church. Sacrifice. Give up your will. I have people say to me and are trying to figure out the verse in Revelation. You know, I'm trying to live the book of Ephesians and Colossians. Let's have families that honor and glorify God. Listen, there's no conflicts that can't be solved in relationships where humility is in every heart. Where I need God, and I need God to help me. Yeah. Boy, there's been a lot of times I've wanted to be right. Barbara and I, by the way, have had one or two disagreements. <laughs> Just once I'd like to be right. <laughs> you know, she has this she has this intuition and this instinct, and she's thirty miles down the road and I'm trying to catch up mentally and and then I bring up you know one of the things back here 15 miles and she's already 25 miles this way you know and, and I'm trying to bring up this passage yeah, I've already moved on past there you know and again how am I ever going to win you know what I've learned
Listen, winning is not the issue. Having love and harmony and peace and joy and Jesus being the king of our home, that's the issue. And then it says here, fathers, don't provoke your children. Don't discourage them. Boy, we have such a fatherless generation on us. We have a culture that's actually trapped in a dark alley, in a deep dungeon, and doesn't know its way out because of a fatherless culture that's come upon us. Fathers have abdicated their responsibility. Listen to me. It is not the government's job to raise my children. It's not the government's... Listen to me. It's not the government's job to educate my children. It's not the government's job to provide for my children. It's not the government's job to speak life to my children. It's not a school teacher's job to do what I'm supposed to do. You, you listening to me? We've, we've done this whole thing, and now our culture is off in this dark corner. We actually have school teachers who are supposed to be miracle workers because fathers aren't doing their job and mothers aren't doing their job. We want to blame the educational system when it's our job to do those things. It's a dark hole. You know, well, let's just vote in somebody. They'll fix it. They can't fix the dark hole that we're in. The only thing that will fix the dark hole that we're in is King Jesus becoming the king of people's hearts and minds and lives. And we need to start crying out as the people of God, God, let your kingdom come in my home, in my family, in our marriage, in our children's relationships. Let there come something from heaven invade these things. Our Families should be salt and light in the neighborhood we're living in where we send our children to be educated. We should be shining to lights of the world. We should be the salt of the earth. We should be creating thirst and hunger because we're living a superior life. Then Paul really meddles. And he says, okay, you slaves, because 70% of the Roman Empire was considered slaves. You know, it was, a, it, was just a, it was just a mess. But Paul's telling the slaves, obey your masters. If we're going to put it into today's culture, if you're an employee, be a good one. If you're working for somebody, do your best. You're not there for your good. You're there to glorify God. You're under new ownership. Be the best that you can be. Go the extra mile. Stay away from the whiners. And hang out with some winners. Have a good attitude. Let a heavenly mindset be coming in you. And if you're a boss or an employer, Paul says, you know, masters, treat them well. Treat your people that work for you well. Speak well of them. Pastor them. 
If you're an employee and you're working around a whole bunch of people, pastor the people you're working with. You know, find out what's going on in their life. Start praying for them. If you do, I, I promise you this, compassion will start coming out of you. Kindness will start coming out of you. Caring will start coming out of you. You're called to a bigger purpose than to become part of the culture you live in. You're called to bring the culture of the kingdom into this kingdom that we're living in. Oh, Steve, that's all off in the future, the kingdom. No, it isn't. Jesus said it's right here and it's right now and it's among you and that it's in you. And when we get this thing going on inside of us that we are called to be citizens of the great king, King Jesus, we will actually start becoming revolutionaries to the culture that we're living in. God has greater plans for you and greater plans for me than to get trapped into a dead-end alley and a dark dungeon. Colossians 4, verse 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer. Pay attention. Be thankful. Then Paul said, pray for us. Listen, we should pray for people we rub elbows with. You're not there by chance. You're there in the sovereignty of God. We should pray for our neighbors. We should pray for people we work with, places we do business. Continue steadfastly in prayer. What does that mean? That's exactly what it means. What's the Greek word? Pray. Call on God. Ask. Cry out. What what do you want to do here, Lord? What do you want to do here? Pray without ceasing. Verse 5 says, walk with wisdom. Conduct yourself wisely. God, help us be wise in the day that we're living in. Have a language that is greater than the culture that we're living in. Be an encourager. Wherever you are, be a builder. Barbara and I have just traveled all around We've had a great time. We have met people from all kinds of walks of life. I personally have shared Christ with more people in the last two months than I have in I don't know how long. And I, I want you to understand something. There's a hunger for God in this nation. What our nation has been doing is not working and there's a hunger for God we met this couple from Seattle at an RV park playing with dogs they're both retired executives from Boeing I got to talking to the lady and I said well I just transitioned You you know we never tell people we retired I transitioned 
out of pastoring a church. Oh, my husband went to Catholic school and he's out the next day and he starts telling me a story about something that happened and he he starts doing this thing, you know. I'm just telling you, open up your mouth. Start talking with people about your king because there's a hunger. There's a hunger there. We met this old guy, Bruce. Barbara met him first, walking the dog. Tell you that dog is an evangelist. <laughs> Holy Spirit is on him. He's got an anointing on his life. You know, opens more doors. She met this couple, and then I meet him, and he's this old Florida cracker. And I lived in Florida for 15 years. You know, I mean, he's he's got the whole look all about him. And, I mean, he looks like this hillbilly. Well, this hillbilly was an attorney for 25 years and then taught law at Stetson Law School. And we got into this discussion, and he talked to me probably 15 minutes nonstop. And I just sat there and listened. And, and, and then, you know, and then he said, you're a pretty smart man. I didn't say anything. He had done all the talking, and we shifted this conversation about Christ. And he had had so many people talking to him about Christ. Yeah. I don't know if I believe it or not. I said, obviously God is knocking on the door of your heart. Well, I don't know. I said, pray this prayer, Bruce. This is what I want you to do. Pray this simple prayer. God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. You just start praying that prayer. They're out there. If you'll listen to them and let them talk, you can open your mouth just at the right time and start speaking words of life. We have a better culture. We have a superior way of life. We have a king, and his name is Jesus. Paul closed this verse, book right here, verse 17. Chapter 4, he said, and say to Archippus, nobody names their kid that. But you know what I did? I circled his name, and, and right there I have right there. Say to Steve, say to the person in the mirror, say to him, see that you fulfill your ministry that you've received in the Lord. Everybody wants, what is this full-time ministry? You're all full-time ministers. You're servants of God. No matter where you are. And the reformers taught us this. Your vocation is your calling. Your vocation is. Your school teacher, that's your calling. Jim Curtis is almost four million miles driving a truck without an accident. That's his calling. And telling lies. No. My dad was a truck driver. I know all about that. Listen, it's your calling, your vocation, where you are, God puts you. If you're an engineer, it's hard for me to fathom that, but that's your calling. If you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, if you're a street sweeper, Martin Luther King said, do it the best you can do it. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Do it for the glory of God. And be a representative of your king. Because he has a culture 
that's far superior to the one we're living in and we need to invade it. Thank you. Wow. We should invite you back more often. You know, um, Pastor Steve mentioned this morning about you find yourself in that dark alley. You've made some decisions that, that, that you end up, find yourself in this dark, dead end, and you're just not sure where to go. And, and for many of us here, I know that we're believers in Jesus, and, and we know that, you know, when we start to make these decisions that lead us this way, we, we know that we can call on the name of Jesus. But you may be here this morning, and this might be your first time here, or maybe you've been hanging around for a while. And, and you, you have not said, you have not given your life to Jesus. You've been in this dark alley, and you know that God has been knocking on the door of your heart. And I want to encourage you, today is the day where you say yes to Jesus. Today is the day where you say, okay, I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. I'm going to put my life into Jesus' hands, because he can do a better job with it than I can. Most of us in this room have hit that point and said that. Most of us have made that decision where we said today, yep, I know that Jesus in control of my life is better than me in control of my life. And, and so right now, if everybody just bow your head and close your eyes, I don't want to make a spectacle of you if you want to make that decision today. But what I do want to do is I want you to be able to acknowledge it here in a congregation. And I want to be able to give you resources to help you on your next steps. So this morning, if that's where you're at, if today's your day and you say, I've been in this dark alley and I need to call in the name of Jesus. Maybe you walked away from him and need to come back. Or maybe you've never called in the name of Jesus. If that's where you're at, will you just put your hand in the air right now? Right where you're at, put your hand in the air. He's knocking at your heart. Will you answer the door? He's calling on you. Will you answer? Put your hand in the air if that's where you're at. Amen. Amen. Well, church, next week we have a brand new series starting. Um, and it's going to be help. My family's crazy. And, of course, my family isn't. But I, but I want you to bring somebody, invite somebody, bring them here. It's going to be really good. It's going to be a good series, and it's going to help people see how, how God has the answers, even in the craziest family situations that, that you might imagine. At this point, the, the prayer team is going to come. They're going to be on either side of the stage wanting to pray with you. We believe in the power of prayer. And if you need healing for anything or prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. Whether it's a physical healing in your body or an emotional healing, or maybe there's a situation in your life you just want someone to stand with you in prayer um, and pray with you. They're there, they're trained, they're ready to go, and they're excited to pray with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next Sunday.